2: Welcome to the Footy with Dad podcast, where Julian and his son Jake will be discussing their weekly footy experiences together and their love of the game. Get ready for discussion, arguing, laughing and crying about all things football. Welcome to another episode of Footy with Dad. Jake and I went down to Brighton on Saturday evening. What a long journey that was.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would have thought we... You know, we were going to Man United or Man City away. I mean, it took over three hours to get to Brighton, which is ridiculous. I mean, we went we went Brighton away just a few a few months ago, earlier on in uh, this year, and it took what about an hour and a half to get there. Took double that getting there. I mean, the traffic, you know, like around
2: Brighton was just great. Yeah, the M25 was surprisingly okay. It was actually once we got off the M25, it uh, it was just an absolute nightmare, and we 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 only really got into the ground about twenty minutes before kickoff. Um, but uh, it was obviously, you know, a massive three points. Um, it was. I actually didn't. Un- didn't probably um, appreciate what uh, how emotional the last few days for the players on the club probably were until really you know just before kick off the minutes applause for Gian Piero um, was was quite moving wasn't it really
1: yeah it was and I think that just goes to show what a big character he was within the club he was obviously seemed to be very close with some certain players and. Um, And, yeah, it must have been a very hard week, I think, for everyone at the club, for Conte, the players and the staff. And, and, you know, to get a win yesterday, I think it was a great way to end off, you know, quite an upsetting week around the club.
2: Yeah, I mean, just listening to Harry Kane after the game, I mean, he was like holding back the tears and obviously uh, Conte, who's known him for about 30-odd years, it was just uh, devastating. I mean, it seems to have happened really quickly from what, You know, you you hear from Conte um, interview after the game. He obviously was ill on the Thursday before the Arsenal game. um, And then he died in the evening this Wednesday, um, which was was absolutely devastating to all the players. He was obviously very, very close to the players. Um, Conte uh, informed the players Thursday morning and uh, they they were all shattered and... um, training was cancelled, the press conference was obviously cancelled. So going into the game certainly wasn't uh, the ideal preparation. I wasn't actually that confident um, that we would get three points. I, I thought, you know, it, it could have gone both e- either way, couldn't it? It could have obviously inspired them to get three points and win it for Gian Piero, or, or you know, they would have just been, you know, still... In total shock and n- not turned up, but fortunately, you know that they, they did it uh, for Gian Piero. I thought the fans, obviously, we were there behind the goal. The Spurs faithful um, were amazing. Um, you know, even at the end when Hugo came came over uh, with his top um, with, with with the name on the, on the back of sh- the shirt, it was actually quite moving. I think you know. Most Spurs fans probably hadn't heard of him too much uh, apart from the last week. But uh, I think we just wanted to show, you know, the players who were very affected by it, that that we were with them and, you know, we were in it together. So uh, a a massive three points. The team selection, he finally went 3-5-2.
1: What were your thoughts on that? Finally, yeah. He's been quite reluctant and a bit arrogant um, recently to not change it. Um, but he finally switched it up yesterday, he went with the three five two. You were uh, delighted not to see Emerson, weren't you? Wow! Well, yeah. Obviously serving <laughs> a three-game ban, which uh you know, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not upset you, about you want that. them to appeal so it's longer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not upset about that. Um, but no, yeah, he went with the three-five-two, and I think overall it worked. I think we looked, you know, quite a bit more solid in the midfield. Um, With the trio of Hoiberg, Benton, Colambus, I thought thought all three of them um, put in a really good shift yesterday. No, definitely. I I thought we
2: looked much more solid in in the middle. And I think, uh, I mean, if you look, considering Brighton were one down at half-time, in the second half, they had one shot on target. Now, for a team that's at home and are losing, to restrict them to one shot... um, you know, I I think was very good. And I didn't feel, listen, during the game, you always feel nervous that you could get deflection or anything could happen from a set piece. So, you know, you're on absolute tender hooks and, uh, you know, especially the last 10 minutes, you tend to look at the clock more than the pitch. Uh, Well, I certainly do, as you know. Um, But I I felt, you know, relatively comfortable um, for most of the game. I mean, they, they obviously had... Had a few moments which were a bit hell rising, uh, to say the least. But I thought the first 30 minutes, you know, w- we actually had some good chances. I mean, you know, I think that the big talking point is Harry Kane
1: finally did not take a free kick. I mean, yeah, that I mean, that was something amazing to see. Get a free kick in a good position. And, you know, the amount of times I've seen Kane take the ball as if, as if he's good at them, as if he's just going to whip it top corner... Um, but no, it was brilliant to see him walk call I mean, I love him, but free kicks isn't for him. um son took it and look, he got it on target it wasn't it wasn't a best free kick, but no doubt Kane would have hit the wall. I think what um Conte would would have
2: been happy with also is um Cesson on crossed and Doherty got on the end of it. I mean went over the bar in the end, but you know that's what Conte's wing back. Uh, Conti Ball's all about is getting the wing backs, and I thought with the three in the middle, you know they 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 did bomb through. I mean, I thought Cessnock had had well, he was man of the match uh, on on Sky uh, yesterday. Apparently, I, I thought he had a terrific game.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I thought Cessnock put in a really good shift, really good performance from him. Doherty as well on the other side. I thought he had a very good game as well. And um, like you know, like we just said, he, he had that chance in the first half. You know, we saw what Conte's game is all about. um From you know, from wing back to wing back. um I yeah, I'd just like to see a bit more of this three five two in action. I think. Yeah, I mean, he used it um in the
2: second half against Leicester, which, which worked well, and I, th- I think it did work. I mean, I think the good thing is, you know, depending on the opposition, he he can chop and change, can't he? I think, especially now, consumers is getting more in line with what Conte wants. We've got Skip back as well. So we, we've definitely got the personnel in the middle to, to change things. And I think with so many games uh, coming up, especially with Champions League games coming up, um, we're going to have to rotate so to, to keep it fresh. But um, I was really, really impressed with Session on yesterday. I thought uh, he had some great runs. Um, he did some good defending as well. And um, we also had the Bentuker uh, effort, which I, th- I thought the
1: goalie did 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 well to uh, palm away. Yeah, yeah, that was also yeah, that was a good save, good chance. I thought we had a brilliant game as well in midfield. Bentancur, time and time again, he's just missed the consistency. He's honestly so so good, Rodrigo Bentancur. And then obviously Kane scored, um,
2: which was his eighth goal in the last eight. He's now only nine goals away from reaching 200 Premier League goals and he only needs 10 to level the legend Jimmy Greaves' record of
1: 266. Yeah, I mean, that is just incredible. I mean, the goal itself, he actually did so well to get his head on that. He had to get himself in a weird, weird angle, weird position. Um, but he... We didn't appreciate
2: what, what? What? I mean, we obviously it was the other end to where we were um, yeah. um standing at, at Brighton, but uh, his reflexes were were, were
1: phenomenal. And, and yet again, it's another Son Kane assist combination. No, yeah, and then to yeah, when Son when Son put in a brilliant ball and Kane somehow managed to head it over the keeper, brilliant. Yeah, um, it it, it was really good. And
2: it's funny because we were driving to the game and we were listening to Talk Sport and um, we were both totally baffled by, I think it was Adrian Durham, who was saying, you know, Kane really needs to start scoring. And I'm like, what? He scored last week. You know, he's got eight goals this year, um, eight goals this season uh, in in, in nine games. Um, You know, It's been put on the back burner because of obviously how well that robot Harland is doing. Uh, But, you know, Kane has, you know, started the same season. I mean, I don't think he's firing on all cylinders, don't get me wrong. And, you know, we've seen better performances from him. But, you know, goal scoring, eight in the last eight, you can't argue with that. And yet again, you know, he scored hundred Premier League goal over now. Hundred Premier League goals away from home. I mean,
1: he's just a freak. Yeah, he, he really is a freak. Um, I mean, almost two hundred Premier League goals. Absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, I think he's being a little bit overshadowed this season by Haaland. I think if Haaland was also on eight or nine goals, I think people will be talking about Harry Kane more. It's just unfortunate, I guess, for Kane that we've got an absolute creature in our league. Yeah, um, no, definitely. And I thought, uh, so I thought, you know,
2: generally the first half we, we, we played okay. I think after we scored, we, you know, there's a lot of negativity on, on, on Twitter um, about Spurs, and I don't really understand it. Um, you know, yes, I think we can play, you know, more attractive football. I think we are missing Kulu, and I think Kulu does add you know, considerably how more creative we are and more, more fluid we are. So, you know, I think when he comes back to the side, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be okay. But at the end of the day, you can't argue with, with what Conte is bringing to the table. I mean, apart from Man City, no one has scored more goals or got more points in the calendar year of 2022. And, you know, you know yes, I do agree, in some games you know it it is it is a bit or feels a bit negative but um that's the way conte plays you know he plays counter attacking football and i think when we do break you know the problem is we're not being that as clinical as we have been in the past so you know 1-0 does sound a bit negative but i think we could have you know got a couple of others uh, yesterday and you know in the other games you know we could have been a bit more clinical. Um, you know, Tuesday night against Frankfurt, you know, it was nil-nil, and it sounds like our oh, negative Spurs, you know, 10 behind the ball, but you know, we could have easily have won that like, two or three. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. And it was the same same with yesterday. Ben Tanker had that chance. Kane had a chance. Um in the second half, Doherty obviously had that chance. So we we could have easily scored three or four yesterday if we were clinical, and then no-one would be saying uh, about how negative we look. Yeah, and, you know, Liverpool, who are, you know, a fantastic
2: attacking team, um, they've scored two goals less than us and conceded one less. Uh, but more importantly, they're 10 points less than what we've got. Um, so I think, you know... I think you've got to be careful what you wish for. I mean, we've got 20 points after nine games, um, you know, and I certainly like being, you know, in the top two or three of, of the Premier League rather than mid-table. So I think it you've okay. got to be careful what you wish for.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So it was
2: a great win. I mean, Brighton, you know, it's a hard place to... To go, uh, let's be honest. Last week they totally outclassed Liverpool for large parts of the game. They scored three goals at Anfield um, and probably were unlucky not not to get three points. I mean they haven't lost at home since. Funny enough, they played us last uh, back in March. So um, you know it's not an easy place to go, and you know other big teams will have to go there um, and, and play well to get three points. So I was delighted with with. With the result um, the performance could have been a little bit better don't get me wrong I think we could have been a bit more attacking in places but you know it's all about three three points and uh you know driving home after an away day certainly you know getting three points certainly makes the
1: uh, the m25 uh more enjoyable and let's put it that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. It doesn't matter what you know, if you win one nil, two nil or three nil, you get three points for a win. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. Like we said, it was, you know, we knew it, you know, it seemed like it was an emotional week um within the club. So I think yesterday was all just about however you get it done, just get the three points. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh and looking briefly at the other games that took place on
2: Saturday, um, obviously I don't think it was any surprise uh, Man City beating Southampton 4-0. I suppose what the surprise was that Haaland only got got the one. um, And it took him an hour to get it as well. I know, I know. Bit of a gold route for him, but... uh, You know, there was a petition going on during the week, wasn't there? You told me about, about um, should he be deported because he's a robot. Um, So I think they've got enough signatures now for it to be heard (laughs) Uh, in in Parliament. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully he'll lose the vote and get deported. No, but uh, he he is phenomenal. I mean, we were talking about it on the way home about would he have scored 20 goals if he was in our setup, and I don't think he would have done. I, I think the Man City team and their formation is very much, you know, geared. I mean, that they're a brilliant team, and he's at the end of their moves. And I've d I, I do not think there's many teams that he would have scored as many. Um, if he had been in the probably less lesser team, really. Uh, but all credit to him. Um, you know, he's putting the ball in the back of the net, he's big, he's strong, he's tall. Um you know, I knew he was good. I didn't realise he was this good, um, seeing him virtually every week. So, uh, fair fair play to him. Chelsea won the game. Um, you know, Graham Potter, he started his Chelsea career well, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, he has. he got 3-0 win um, in the week in the Champions League. Another 3-0 win against Wolves. Um, not the best opposition, but I suppose you have to beat what's in front of you. Um and yeah, he started life well at
2: Stamford Bridge, to be fair to him. yeah. Um, and the other result which I was surprised about uh, was Leicester losing at, at Bournemouth. And that's not to be disrespectful to Bournemouth. I mean, I, I think Gary O'Neill's done very well since he's taken over from Scott Parker. But you you know, after winning 4-0 against Forest during the week, you thought maybe. Rodgers and Leicester had turned a corner and they went one up as well. So you, you know, you you thought they probably should see that out. But um I thought I thought after Leicester, you know, all all after their win uh, during the week, all Leicester needed what what was a win and that they'd probably get a few victories on, on the bounce. But I think losing yesterday against Bournemouth, um I think Rodgers is in trouble. I really do. I, I, I can see. I can see them maybe uh, parting ways. I think with the World Cup, I think that gives clubs an opportunity to reassess a lot quicker in the season than they probably would do because there's what five or six weeks, you know, break. Um, so if they're going to make a move before the January transfer window, it, it, it's probably, you know, a good time to to assess. But uh, there's still quite a few games, though, between now and you know mid-November. So um, I suspect if they do get rid of him, you know, this week or so, um, they're going to have to really have someone lined up to go in straight away.
1: Yeah, for, you know, for me, I think Brendan Rodgers he has to be he has to be on the cusp, I think, um, of getting this. That um, i like, to me, I don't think it's that much of a surprise that then off to Bournemouth. Something just isn't right at Leicester. It's clear they've won one game game this season. They're sitting on four points after nine games. Uh, It really is looking bleak over Leicester. And Bournemouth, of course, they know um, that they've gone through a takeover manager and owner recently. Um, So there seems to be a a bit of a bounce. Um, I'm not sure if the, I don't think Bournemouth have lost yet under their new manager. Um, He seems to be doing a brilliant job. Um, But, yeah, Leicester are in, you know, they're in such a mess at the moment. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, we've got quite a busy week coming up. We've got uh, two home games, obviously Wednesday night, a crucial Champions League game, and then next Saturday evening at home to to Everton. Um, Your thoughts
1: on on Wednesday's game? I think now we need to start picking up the wins in the Champions League. Um, You know, we started off with a win against Marseille, and then, of course, we lost and then drew into Sporting and in Frankfurt. Um, a point wasn't a bad result against Frankfurt in the week. But I think this time round, I think we need to come away with the three points. If we only come away with a point, I don't. I still don't think it's the end of the world. I, I'm not sure if we'll be able to top the group, but I don't think it will be all over. But I would be quite disappointed. We need to pick up three points if we, you know, ideally we want to top the group. But I suppose our main priority is, you know, just getting through um, but yeah, a win for me, a win is, is a must on Wednesday
2: night. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think um, we we certainly we certainly need need to win our next two home games in the Champions League, um, and then hope other results go our way. That you know, the last game against Marseille is, isn't crucial because it, it's going to be it's going to be tough there. Um, yeah. I know their stadium is partially closed, but, you know, they are going to have fans in. So uh, it is going to be, you know, let's hope we can get the six points. Well, the six points in the next two games, that will bring us up to 10 in total, uh, which which hopefully will certainly be enough, you know, to qualify as second place. Um, So, uh, you know, these games are coming in thick and fast. I mean, obviously... Richardson was rested yesterday. I, I thought he was a bit disappointing uh, when he came on. He didn't really make an impact. Um now whether or not he starts on Wednesday, um, it all depends on I suppose what sort of formation. I, I've heard Kulu is potentially 50-50 uh, for, for Wednesday night. So um, but it's a big game to bring him back into and and, and maybe another week before the Everton game, you know. Maybe yeah, I just need another week's rest, especially with a hamstring. You, you you don't want to take too many chances with hamstrings because if it goes again, you know he he could be out for a while, and um, you know you, you've got to manage those injuries carefully. So uh, big game Wednesday night, um, and then we've got Everton at home. Everton going well, um, you know. Rather surprisingly, I, I heard during the week that they've got the best defensive record. Um, in the Premier League at the moment. I mean, obviously, this has been recorded before their game against Manchester United on Sunday evening, but uh, not as easy a game as, you know, potentially you would have thought two or three weeks ago.
1: No, it's not. I think Everton have, you know, been going under the radar a bit this season. They're they're not a pushover. like I think they were at times uh, last season. It's going to be a hard game, like you said. Um, Yeah, we just need to make sure we carry on Carry on, you know our run got picked up three points yesterday. We just need a bit of consistency, is what I'd like to see, and another three points hopefully next weekend.
2: Certainly, no a Brazilian number nine that will want to start that game.
1: <laughs> yeah, that <no>, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> um,
2: and yeah, that that's all. That's all. I think we've uh, I think we've covered everything. Um, good three points at the end of uh, a, a difficult week for the club. So it it finished well, and uh, let's hope uh, in in the next seven days we have two more victories and uh, another happy podcast next week. On today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome the co-founder of LA Spurs, Rolf Jones. Rolf, thanks for joining us. Good to be here, Julian. How are you
0: doing? Uh, Doing well. Uh, and still enjoying some warm weather out here in Los Angeles, but uh, uh, hopefully that will subside in the next few days. Don't
2: make us jealous. Don't make us jealous. <laughs> um, so for people who don't know, um, what is LA Spurs and how, how did it all come about?
0: Uh, the LA Spurs uh, is the Tottenham Hotspur supporters club here in Los Angeles. We were the first Premier League supporters club in the Los Angeles area. Uh, officially established in 2005 and we're the largest Tottenham supporters club in the United States. Wow. Uh, The history of our group goes back really to the late 90s when I connected with a a, a fellow Tottenham fan called Graham Rudge, Crazy Graham, as he's sometimes known, uh, and he's known far and wide throughout the world, uh, and we would go to games on our own. Uh, And the thought was, at that time, that we figured there had to be more than just the two of us in Los Angeles that supported Tottenham. And over the coming years, especially as the Premier League and obviously Spurs games became more available, whether they were live, as they all are now, or take delay and uh, through various uh, methods came about, we we gathered more and more uh, Tottenham supporters. We had some cards made up, and we had been, originally started with the Yahoo uh, WebRing. And uh, by around 2004, 2005, um, on the administrative side, I've been joined by a gentleman by the name of Jason Maxwell, who now lives in Houston. He's actually been the chairman there and helped get them going. And Kate Sukum, uh, a lady originally from Thailand, but she did was able to support us with web design. Uh, when we first got our website set up, this was really pre-Facebook and some of these other social media areas that, are now so readily available, Twitter and the like. So we started with with a website, and once we had the website established, um, we got some notice from Tottenham Hotspur themselves. And in 2007, Paul Barber, who was then the executive chairman uh, on the board, came out to meet a group of us in Los Angeles in September of of that year. Uh, meeting at the Four Seasons in West Los Angeles, oh, wow. and uh, he brought some items and, and various things, and and we really started to become uh, a more recognised club and being on the map.
2: Um, as you're far as our, you're, just, you're officially acknowledged by Tottenham Hotspur as well, aren't you?
0: We we were, and as far as the actual true joining uh, as an official club, that didn't happen until 2010. Right. So we came across to the San Jose area to play the San Jose Earthquakes. And it was at that time we became officially recognized. Their focus, of course, was on the San Francisco Spurs. That was headed up at the time by Stefan Shirazi and Stephen Pritchard. Uh, and they were the key there. But uh, many people, about 100 or so of us, came up from Los Angeles to San Francisco uh, area to, to see the game in San Jose the following day. And we met at Danny Coyle's where they they meet up there, and we then met with Ozzy Ardiles, who came across with the pre pre group as they call them, where the uh, the legends of the game, and he yeah. answered many questions. But and at the end of that uh, presentation and Q and A, uh, the LA Spurs became officially recognised as Brilliant. a fully fledged associated top and clubs to answer your question. Brilliant. And
2: you've uh, um, also... Those are the origins. Those are the origins. <laughs> and I also remember, I can't remember how many years ago, you, you, you had Steve Perryman over there as well, didn't you? We
0: did, actually. That was in 2019, not that long ago, just before the COVID hit, and he and his wife, Kim, came across to visit us. I would be very grateful, or well, we are very grateful, uh, to Paul Rusco, who helped start the New Zealand Kiwi Spurs. Right. Uh, he knows Steve Perryman quite well. And he helped arrange on the back part of the journey that they would stop in Los Angeles, come and speak to us. Uh I got the opportunity to be the host to Steve for the whole day and a half. And mm-hmm. so we had quite a lot of good conversations, mm-hmm. uh, including mm-hmm. his presentation. So that was a, a real joy for me because Steve Perryman is my all-time favorite Tottenham player. Yeah. So sure. so that was just wonderful and uh that opened up the door to be in contact ever since. Um, so that was, that was quite the day.
2: <laughs> so obviously before you went over to LA, you, you used to live in London. And, um, I think you're one of the, the few that have shared memories with your father actually watching Spurs win trophies. Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> you're absolutely right. We, 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 we actually grew
0: up uh, near Radler, which is just the uh, north of London. Um, and that's where my father lives now. Um, Bushy, <laughs> yeah, not far. So yeah, very
2: near.
0: So uh, when when I was a, a younger man, um, my father enjoyed the game, but he didn't really have a, a team that he was fully aligned with. Um, I, and the story, just a little backdrop here, which has been mentioned in several publications and books, is that uh, I had a teacher at the primary school where I went to. Uh, his name is Andrew Silcox, uh, currently in his wife in France, um, but. He was a huge Tottenham fan. I mean, just mega. Every chance he got, he would talk about Tottenham, how great they were. And he was my class teacher, but he also taught football and sports. And, of course, I gravitated to his very magnetic personality, and especially about his interest in, in, in Spurs. And he would talk about Jimmy Greaves and, and many of the greats in the 60s as we were in the early 70s in those days. And um, one day he came around to everyone in the class and went down the line and said, what team are you? And he came to me, and I, he said, what team are you? And I said, oh, I'm Spurs, sir. And he goes, good man. And it wasn't long after that, that he said, I'm going to take two boys to see a game. Now, that game happened to be uh, played. It was, it was a delayed game from early in the season for Stockholm in the UEFA Cup in 1974. And the game was going to be on May the 8th. And that was actually my birthday. And so he wow. took two lads from the class. One chap was Simon Martin, who was a Liverpool fan, and he took me and uh my uh, mother was uh was, was at home with looking after me because my dad was on business in the United States at the time and she called him to ask if it was okay Dad said yes as long as he doesn't go in the stands yes have <laughs> no stands so got the seat and it cost one pound for a ticket in those days I still have it and, and the program uh pink ticket. And uh, that was actually played just after the FA Cup, and I believe Liverpool had just won that, and so it was a one-one draw. Uh, I believe that Chris McGrath scored for Tottenham; he scored first. Didn't even oh, see wow. the goal. The crowd went crazy, and I was like, <laughs> "I've never seen anything like this." And so after that, I was a died in the wall Spurs fan. With that being the case, of course, I wanted to go and see Tottenham from time to time, and and who else would take me or be with me, but but my father, and so we started going to games, um, not every week by any means, but we saw quite a few. Um, and uh, the the most glamorous or important or critical games were certainly the 81 and 82 FA Cup finals, sure. uh, they were very impressive. I also was at the semi final home leg for the League Cup in 1982, where oh. Mickey Hazard scored sitting on the shelf. That goal. So that was a pretty big game. And uh later on, when I come to the United States, my dad and I went to see the 1999 uh, League Cup final uh, at Wembley. Okay, so we win three tro- three of their trophies, which are which are not a bad haul considering. It's uh, not it's bad been- at all.
2: It's not bad. I mean, Jake's desperate to uh hopefully watch us lift a trophy with me, and ho- hopefully one day.
0: <laughs> so there you go. Um it's, um, they're few and far between, unfortunately, uh, these days. But, uh, with Spurs continuing to go forward, I hope that it won't be too far before or too long.
2: Yeah, before. no, fingers crossed. So, growing up, who were, I mean, I know you've obviously just mentioned Perryman. Who else were your favorite players watching?
0: Um, and that when I first started, it, Tottenham were in a bit of a, a, a transition. I mean, I remember players like Alec Gilzee and, uh, Martin Peters and other players at that time who I was just getting to know, Ralph Coates was still playing for, for Tottenham. So yeah. it transitioned into the team of the late 70s, early 80s. Um, and then you were starting to see uh, players like Glenn Hobble come about. Yeah. And then with the really, I remember the nineteen eighty eighty one season when Spurs started picking up Garth Crook, Steve Archibald, uh, Paul Miller, and... Um, some of the, you know, of course, the two Argentinians, are dealers, and, and Abir, I mean, they were becoming quite a a, a powerful and, and attractive team yeah. in the first division, sure. as it was then. And so the, the players' names and faces would be, were, were much more accessible, especially with television coverage uh, that they had at that time. So he, these players from 1980-81 were suddenly starting to become, you know, household names, right. I think, uh, yeah. Crooks and Archibald, they had you know they, 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 they had the uh, the most goals of any duo in the in the league at the time. Uh Tottenham was just a, a, a great team to to be a part of and watch, and especially as they went to the cup final, of course, in eighty-one. <laughs> oh,
2: that's great. And was was there any sort of particular goal that stands out in your memory as a child? Oh boy.
0: Um <laughs> I mean has been uh, you on the spot there. <laughs> no, um, I mean, the, 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 the Ricky Ricky Beer's goal in the FA Cup final yeah. in 81 it's, is, to me, still the greatest FA Cup goal of all time. It It's just, I mean, dribbles around all the players. I'll never forget being at the game and shouting to pass for Steve was sitting on the right-hand side. I think half the rest of the crowd was shouting that too, but he didn't and the rest is history. But, uh, I mean, that would probably stand out as the goal that of my younger days. Yeah. No, sure. That's
2: a difficult one to beat. So, uh, well, yeah. it was
0: a game winner. It was a game winner too. We took the trophy. I mean, it was just incredible. I was six rows from the front there at Wembley. It was benches, the old benches. And, uh, I mean, you, you, you could, you could, you could hear the players. You could feel, you could feel that, you know, their emotions and the discussions they were having back and forth. So
2: you were right there in the, in the mix. Yeah. I mean, I, my dad started taking me. I think the season before 81. So I did go to a few games, but my first real game that I remember was the cup final, 81 cup final, even though I probably had a dozen games before that, but that, that's the first memory I can, you know, you know, being in that stadium when he... Where,
0: where were you sitting? Uh, uh, I
2: was to in front of the goal of where Ricky scored. Oh, like, ah, okay. Like quite high up though Uh, so equal like sort of with the corner flag but halfway up that that, that stand so you know and um, I was 10 at the time so uh, it was just unbelievable and we we went to the first game but we weren't sure we were going to get tickets for the replay uh, because my mum was like oh you've got school the next day you can't have a late night (laughs) Um, well there was no way we were getting tickets for the first
0: game but as soon as it was announced yeah. <laughs> you know, Dad and my sister, they went up to White Hart Lane first of all he, he just said there's no way. So then he went to Wembley and picked up the tickets directly at Wembley. And that way we were able to get tickets. They were around um, the first year I think they were six pounds, the next year they were seven. I still have the copies of those, which you may do as well, Julian. Um but uh yeah, so that's how we got the tickets. I mean amazing what it cost now compared to then,
2: but Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> that, but that it's was certainly not mean, getting any cheaper going to Spurs, that's for sure. Six Six and seven rows from the
0: front. Um, I mean, admittedly, you had the fence in those days yeah. around, but uh, I mean, I just remember being—you were so close to the players, especially on the wing. You know the.
2: Sure. Yeah. No. Definitely. Definitely. And um, obviously now, obviously you're, you're in LA. I believe you've got a daughter. Um, I do. Have you now, had a chance to take her to Spurs, or is it just watching Spurs on telly mm-hmm. at the moment with her? no
0: uh, just on on the tv from time to time unfortunately she isn't quite dispersed by that i am although she has a team tottenham's a team but uh <laughs> you know, uh, it's, uh, still working on her they <laughs> uh, still working on, working on that when yeah. she was very young she certainly knew some of the chants she liked the song busadam belly better than Pedley and harry kane you <laughs> know gets goals gold scores a goal she knows that in the so um you know, that was very nice, but it's not her primary... Uh, she she like, enjoys violin, so you kind of have to let your young ones make their own way, and if they want to be involved, that's fantastic, and they're certainly there for them, but uh, it's not quite where, where she is.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, I mean, I know you touched on it at the beginning about LA Spurs. I remember when I came to see you, I think it was 2018, 2000, t- 2019, and I thought 18, it was, I, think, yeah, I, I thought, Newcastle. Uh, you, you went to the Newcastle game, the Newcastle. That's right. And it was um, it was twelve thirty kickoff in the UK, which was about yeah. four thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't so realize like when I said, day. "Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be there," I didn't realize I was about two hour drive away, an well, hour and a half, two hours. So uh, we set sail at like uh, two two thirty where we were to make sure we weren't late. And it was just so surreal, you know, a bar full of Spurs fans singing at 4.30 in the morning. It was just, uh, it was an unbelievable experience. And, you know, if, if anyone's in LA for a Spurs game, you, you've got to get in touch with LA Spurs. They, they made me and Jake so welcome. Uh, great food, good atmosphere um they can't obviously guarantee three points but uh, they they did luckily on on, on my visit um so it, it's definitely worth uh trying to hook up with them if you can um well it, you know if people are in the area um how best is it for them to get in contact with you guys
0: well they can reach out to uh, us in a variety of ways they can reach out to us on facebook I just type in, you know, the LA Spurs, Spurs or the official Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Club in Los Angeles, which I think is the full name. Right. Um So just that on Twitter. Uh, or just look up www.laspurs.com. Um, we we announce uh, every game, and we see every single Tottenham game that is played uh, during the year at, at live. They're not take delay or anything. No, so, what time of day, hey? <laughs> where we were there at four thirty against the other club that happens to be not too far away from us, who shall remain nameless. This um, <laughs> just this last weekend. Um, so, but we also watch all the Champions League games. We're just there for the Frankfurt game. Um, the fun thing now is that uh, my office is in Highland Park, which is about a mile and a half now from. Where the public so that has some of the added advantages for <laughs> his lunchtime or longer lunchtime games.
2: Yeah, no, sure. Oh, that's great. And oh, so yeah. but before we leave, your thoughts on the current season
0: Confidence? um it's, it's interesting. I, I I'm looking forward to seeing well, at least uh, one of the Champions League games here coming up soon against sporting and my father as this is Woody with Dad. Oh, that'd be uh, lovely. To, to going together. He's eighty seven now. Um, so we're looking forward to watching the match match together. Uh, something he's looking forward to, uh, as I am. Um, I think there are definitely some challenges. Spurs haven't really gone into third gear, in my opinion, this season. There have been moments in games where they play quite well, but they're not gelling quite as well as they
2: should, or, and or need to be. Um, well, and so why thing- is that exciting, though? <laughs> <laughs> they haven't yet gelled. Well, there's <laughs> so- a host... There's the
0: hope that they will, yeah. uh, and and when that happens, I think that things will be very good. Uh, I think, uh, as with all leaders and managers that, that have overseen Tottenham, it, it's always a perennial uh, and seasonal difficulty, just trying to get that right right mix. We, we've had it; we've been very close a couple times the last decade, but just not really quite there. And I know Conti's doing everything he can to get. I think we're weak on the right. I think uh, Emerson Royale, when he's on his own without Kulicheski on support, is very very exposed and prone to the problems that we've seen. Um, so that is, I think, a weak spot, which I'm sure Conti is only too well aware of, uh, that we need to shore up. Um, we have to start ensuring that our results continue to at least stay even or improve. We're third in the table, so we're in a Positional-wise, we're not in too bad a shape. The other the other games around us helped us quite a bit, even though we lost to our bitter rivals. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, uh, but uh, I think there's work to be done. Hopefully Sonny will come onto form. He still hasn't come onto the form that he had last season. No, no well, Unfortunately, Kane has been pretty good this season, so that's kind of helped. And once Cikulichewski gets fit, I think that will be very helpful. I think we've seen some good stuff from Rich Arnoldson, and I'm quite happy about his addition to the squad. So that's been, I think, a good addition, and uh, we we'll just have
2: to see. So, <laughs> fingers crossed. It's the hope yeah. that kills. <laughs> well, I uh, have a safe trip when you come over to London for the uh, the Champions League game. Are you going to be at the game? I will be there. I will be there. Be nice right. if you can hook up, maybe. But...
0: I'll be in, I'll be in the uh, East Atrium. I've got one of the, a couple of the. Uh, um, what they call the premier tickets or whatever for the game. Very
2: nice. Oh. But
0: um, you know, um if you want to shoot me your contact information or your phone or whatever, I'll, I'll send you mine
2: too. So right, we'll, we'll be there early, so maybe we'll catch up with you there. Oh, all right, lovely. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh keep in touch and speak soon. Yep.
0: Please give my regards to Jake. I remembered it very well from when when he came to visit, and so. Uh, um, I always enjoy his pictures uh, on, on social media, whether it's Instagram or, or Facebook. Or I will do. That's, that's very so great. please give him my very warmest, warmest regards. I will do. Thank you very much. Take care right. now. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.